everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. The war in Ukraine and new lockdowns in China have sent shockwaves throughout the global economy, extending supply chain disruptions and transportation bottlenecks, and raising the cost of inputs, especially for energy and commodities. What does this mean for global business insolvencies? We find out in this episode with Anna Boata, Head of Economic Research at Allianz Trade, and Maxime Lemur, Lead Analyst for Insolvency Research. Hello, Maxime and Anna. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. Hello, Maria. So you write in our latest insolvency report that the war in Ukraine and new lockdowns in China have significantly deteriorated the balance of risks for companies, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, well, it's true that uh, since the beginning of the war in Ukraine, uh, a lot of new supply shocks uh, took place, right? From the energy prices, the food prices, and, and the the bottlenecks in terms of transportation and, and clearly also the slowdown in, in global demand in the end. Uh, if we think about the impact on global growth, uh, we are now at more than one point uh, compared to the pre-war situation for the 2022 forecast, which means that now we are just below 3%. 3% uh, just below 3% of global growth is, is important to, to point out because it's a low level of growth, right? So we are evolving in an environment of lower demand, much lower than in 2021, but still constrained supply, uh, constrained supply for longer, uh, probably until 2023, because of the war in Ukraine, but also since April, because of the lockdowns in China, uh, which are about to be finished and we are about to witness a reopening of China. But clearly, uh, that clearly adds up uh, in terms of uh, cost inflation and transportation times and costs and and this supply shocks that we were living in uh, since 2021 already. So what does this mean for global business insolvencies in the short term? In the short term, it means that the normalization will continue and and Maxime will tell us more about it. Uh, But the good news is that we don't expect any abrupt movements in, in business insolvencies. Uh, we, we do expect increases to continue, even to accelerate in those countries where state support measures are not implemented, or maybe where the resilience factors are not so strong. Uh, and clearly, if we think about the resilience factors, I think it's important to also point them out uh, because we are in a different environment than in 2019 for companies. We started this crisis with more cash, uh, 30% more than we had in 2019, which do mean that corporates have today more self-financing capacity to protect from the rising interest rates, but also uh, a a higher capacity, financing capacity to absorb the increase in costs. Uh, And at the same time, uh, they also are in an environment where demand is slowing, definitely, as we discussed, but it is relatively resilient which gives them uh, still quite a significant pricing power. And we have seen that in the Q1 earnings season, actually, uh, where uh, there were a number of positive surprises in terms of results. 
Um, and then, of course, third reason, which is also very important, the credit profile of corporates. Uh, actually, over the past years, with the massive state support measures that have been implemented, the, the profiles of corporates have improved and, and a lot of them gain time. Uh, if we think about the, the, the number of the corporates that are uh, fragile and that can default in the next four years uh, because of low capitalization, uh, low profitability, high debt, uh, th- that number has decreased uh, in most of the European countries, which again means that we need more time before we see business insolvency surpassing their pre-pandemic levels. So yes, Hannah, you're, you're, de- you're definitely right. The various buffers that you mentioned are for sure welcome and they will contribute to avoid a, a sudden and massive rebound in insolvencies for the very short term globally. But at the same time, it's good uh, and worth mentioning or reminding that uh, what is true at a global level does not reflect the reality of all the individual cases and we do have some discrepancies per country and sectors regarding those factors of resilience, meaning that the resilient of the resilient factors do not benefit equally to all countries, to all sectors, and to all firms. And and at the same time, we also have some factors of fragilities, such as the global level of working capital requirements, which already increased in 2021, and such as the global level of indebtedness, which surged since the COVID-19. And here again, countries, uh, sectors, and firms are unevenly exposed with clear winners and, and, and losers. In other words, we have various pockets of fragilities to monitor closely. And to these regards, I mean, it's again worth mentioning that the working capital requirement increase in particular in, in regions such as Asia, uh, the Central and Eastern Europe, as well as Latin America. And, and sector-wise, we do observe the, the increase in working capital requirement in industry, in the household equipment, in the electronics, as well as in the machinery and equipment sectors. And if we look at corporate debt concerns, uh, we see, for instance, that within the advanced economies, the Eurozone fostered the strongest deterioration of its non-financial corporate debt to GDP ratio than the, than the US. And that's what our proprietary data is, uh, has already confirmed with a deterioration of the leverage ratio in countries such as uh, Italy and Germany. So now in, the, in this current context, with the balance of risks uh, mentioned by Hannah before, I mean, two things will be key from my point of view. The first one is the momentum of uh, the cash burning resulting from the combination of the slowing in demand and uh, with the higher operational costs and the higher funding costs. And the second one will be the, uh, the potential return of state support since the current context and the addition of shocks may encourage some countries to extend or implement new support packages to companies as they did quickly and massively after the COVID-19 uh, outbreak. And, and that uh, we artificially, artificially remind at the low level uh, the number of insolvencies in the past two years. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about state support, um, because as you said, it previously contributed to delaying the normalization of business insolvencies um, after COVID-19. So do you expect this delay in normalization um, to repeat itself in 2022? It can be the case for some countries, uh, Maria. It's clear that the state supports put in place in reaction to the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic had a massive impact on the number of insolvencies. We estimate, for instance, that the 
all the temporary changes to insolvency regimes and fiscal instruments all in all prevented almost uh, 35% of insolvencies globally over the last two years. Uh, and this proportion, this share of spare insolvencies um, it was slightly lower in countries that entered the pandemic uh, with a, a lower number of uh, insolvencies, uh, uh, such as in the US or, or Germany. But it was also, but this proportion of spared insolvencies was also much higher in countries that uh, implemented the large state interventions. Um, and that was notably the case in the UK and more importantly in France. So now the probability of having a new round of state support is for sure higher in countries where larger, uh, where we do have a larger public finance capabilities. Uh, and to this point of view, I mean, Europe already stands out since the European Commission officially adopted a new temporary crisis framework uh, that was at the end of March. And this framework um, now allows member states to ensure liquidity and access to finance to many companies, but under various conditions. Um, but this framework will be in place until um, December 2022, or if not more, we'll see that later this year. And France, Germany and Italy uh, already kicked off uh, the first support packages. So by extending existing forms of support, such, such as the partial unemployment scheme and the temporary assistance program in Germany, or by launching new state guaranteed loans, uh, such as the PGO resilience in France. And for France, for instance, we have estimated that this new package uh, could reduce the expected rise in insolvencies to, to 15% instead of the 30% previously to the announced done by the government. And for Germany, we, we estimate that this uh, set of uh, new measures uh, could reduce the increase to, to plus 4% instead of uh, uh, plus 7%. Um, so we, are, we have here two key examples of how state support measures could still keep uh, insolvencies artificially in, uh, in some countries. And even if we expect them, I mean, those state support to be more targeted and more limited this time around, uh, they could still delay uh, the normalization uh, of business insolvencies in, in many countries. So then what is your outlook for business insolvencies globally? Well, Maria, uh, overall, after two years of decline uh, and at this stage, depending on the state support measures that might be put in place by some countries, we expect global business insolvencies to rebound by uh, 10% this year in 2022 and 14% next year in 2023, meaning that they would approach their pre-pandemic level. Um, in that baseline scenario, we expect one in three countries to, to see insolvencies returning to their 2019 levels this year, and one in two countries uh, in 2023. In, in that uh, global context, I mean, Europe would see a prolonged low level of insolvencies this year in France, in Germany, uh, the UK is to record a sharp rebound, um, and it will be the case in many of the other countries, uh, with an upward trend in countries such as Spain, Italy, and that would lead the region close to its pre-pandemic level of business insolvencies by this year itself. Um, on, on the other side of, of the world, I mean, we expect Africa and Central and Eastern Europe to both reach new record highs. Um, in terms of number of insolvencies, um, with um, in Asia, 
different, a mixed, I mean, um, evolution with China able to maintain uh, insolvencies in check, but with the other countries of the region at risk to record an increase uh, due to the deterioration of the regional and the global environment uh, yeah, uh, in that region. So in this context, I mean, definitely the U.S. would be, let's say, the main outlier or the key exception, at least for this year, with a moderate rebound in insolvencies. And that would be thanks to the buffers accumulated in 2020, I mean, the last two years, and especially uh, when we keep in mind the, uh, the massive paycheck protection program that the uh, American authorities put in place. Uh, however, um, we still expect the monetary targeting and the economic slowdown uh, to contribute to a, a much larger rebound in insolvencies uh, in the U.S. Uh, next year in 2023 with a, a double-digit uh, bounce back of insolvencies. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Maxime and Anna. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.